Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker, live from Vandor on our luxury conveyance. We got snowed in on Vandor, and then we got attacked by Wampa Rats, so we're still here. Not Wampa Rats, actual Wampas. Oh, Wampas. The big ones. The big ones. She doesn't know what a Wampa is. No, sorry. It's fine. We'll get there. Okay. What are we doing today? <laughs> we're funding this war. Oh, man. Get in, losers. We're funding this war. Oh, boy. Very right. excited. So this is season three, episode 10 and season three, episode 11. Heroes on both sides and pursuit of peace. So we start off and it's a whole thing that for those of you who were alive and paying attention to politics or perhaps paying taxes when this show was coming out in 2008, <laughs> it's really meaningful because they're like, I think we should deregulate the banks so that we can take out crippling loans in order to further buy like 5 million clones. Hashtag relatable. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's what's going on. And then the vote is delayed and the banking clan and the trade federation and then apparently some dweeb maybe the techno union they all hate him uh are like well maybe we should take you know we need to take measures into our own hands because a bill would have meant literally billions of credits and profit for them so like ah we must keep this war going we're profiting from both sides so what they say is like what we need to do is bring this war to coruscant yeah uh meanwhile Padme wants Anakin to go talk to the Jedi Council. And he's like, that is so not my job. And she is like, very awkward scene. And then Ahsoka interrupts and is like, how is that not our job? Excuse me. And there's a fun little interaction and Ahsoka ends up just running off with Padme to go figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's her politics 101 course with her TA. Yes. It is great. Meanwhile. After actually a really cool uh, screen wipe that has fantastic sound. Mm. I I rarely Mm. notice the sound being very good. Delicious. Yeah, I know it this time. It's our conveyx. It has just wonderful acoustics. But um, General Grievous has a talk with his Doombas as they're, he's like, yes, I will cause problems on course. Is that a Doom Roomba? Exactly. Oh, perfect. Yes. Padme, it is worth noting, is pulling an actual Anakin maneuver. She's like, yes. I really need to talk to my friend, Senator Bonteri, who's a separatist, but I'm not allowed to because I'm not allowed to legitimize a separatist without formal negotiations. But Ahsoka, you're a Jedi. You could smuggle me like into a conveyx and get me onto Raxus. So they, uh, yeah, they end up going through a neutral planet and then going to Raxus, which is absolutely beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's the Separatist headquarters. Mm -hmm. It is fantastic. I kind of want to live there. And we meet Senator Mina Bonteri and her son, Lux. She is like the cool, tatted up, fun aunt who rides a motorcycle. She is. And Lux is her teenage son who has to wear like a shirt that deserves a tie but it's got a tie built in all the time yes and there's actually some very interesting chemistry between Lux and Ahsoka oh yes I would love to talk about that later and then Ahsoka is acting as the audience stand-in in this episode because she's asking lots of episode questions about Tamina about you know so what would your husband think of the war and She's like, well, he died on Argonar. And if you look into Legends, Anakin was at that battle. And a clone trooper killed him. So yes. Mina Bonteri has a really good reason to hate the Republic. But they're still planning on putting together peace. Yeah, even though Padme and Mina are on opposite sides of the war and politically, 
Yeah, exactly. They're doing something really interesting. They're both in agreement that the war needs to end. Mm -hmm. So Mina agrees to put a motion on the floor of the separatist parliament Mm -hmm. to extend an olive branch to the republic in the hopes that they can open negotiations. So we see the separatist parliament and it's much less... Techno. Than it the looks Galactic like the Senate. British House of Commons. It does. It's quite nice. And uh, Count Dooku phones in from presumably his Doom Cruiser or Sith Castle mm-hmm. where he's torturing babies or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fine, we'll put it to a voice vote. It goes to a voice vote and they are going to put it forward. Yeah, the eyes have it. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly resounding moment. My hopes, Sam, were so high. Like, I forgot that I knew how this ended, and I was like, this is it. This uh, is the moment that we yeah. end the war. So the Doombas uh, are these massive battle droids that fold into Roombas, and they're They're slowly, transformers. Yeah, they transform. They're slowly sneaking into the high security area. Yeah, because Dooku promised the Techno Union and the Banking Clan and the Trade Federation, he's like, I know what is happening in the parliament. Don't worry, we're going to end these negotiations before they even begin. Mm-hmm. So the separatist parliament sends the message it is voted on in the galactic republic senate and as the vote is happening as the votes are rolling in the doombas are also rolling out like autobots and they shoot up the entire place they shoot a whole bunch of technicians then they link their butts together <laughs> which apparently causes their explosive cores to turn on <laughs> and they blow up and it wrecks the whole it turns off the power and then we see like fires going off and the vote is stymied yes so that is what's going on with heroes on both sides yes now we move on to the sequel pursuit of peace so the senate is reeling after the attack the power has shorted out all over coruscant they have pinned the attack on the separatists palpatine stands in the middle of the senate and he's like to ensure the safety of the republic we have to deregulate the banks we need to afford more troops And the Kaminoan senator is like, this sounds great to me. Why don't you purchase five million new troopers? Mm -hmm. Because she's, you know, in with the banking clan. And well, she um, she's Camino and she's from Camino. So she wants them to get all the business. Yeah. When Padme protests and says that they need to stop the war and not escalate it, she gets branded a traitor. By the Galactic Senate. Yes, she does. Then, hot on the heels of that, Dooku calls in. He says that Mina Bonteri has been killed by the Republic. Yes. And he's withdrawing the peace accords. So, uh, to backtrack a tiny bit, Padme had revealed to Palpatine that she had met with Mina Oh, yeah. So, he knows she's a partisan. He knows that she's, like, in up to her. And now was, because as soon as you're on Palpatine's uh, bad bad girl list, you are a dead. Yeah. Padme's in a really precarious position this episode. Mm -hmm. So, she's teaming up with her Uncle Ono and Bail Organa. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out how to stop the Senate from getting this big loan from the banking clan. So Bale says, you need to figure out how much interest the banking clan's going to charge. It's 25%. And for those of you who are older than millennials, that may sound crazy, but that's, you know, student loans these days. Oh, yeah. Millennials get it. 25% is insane. It's ludicrous. It's obscene. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, Padme and Bale know that the interest alone could bankrupt the Republic. So they're like, if we agree to this, it will destroy the Republic no matter who wins the war. Yeah. So Padme says, Bale, you rolled highest on charisma in this group. <laughs> you have to give a speech to the Senate and convince them not to sign the bill. But. But there's a fishy fellow and a, oh gosh, it's the species from Knights of the Old Republic. The They're, aqua something. No, no. Anyway. It's two bounty hunters. It's the out. fish guy from Hostage Crisis, Robinino, and uh, Hayoki is he, the name of the other one. He's a cell calf, and he has like full on cool boxy armor. And they clobber all of the senators. Yes, they're tracking down all the senators who might turn down the bill in the Senate. They already beat up Ono. Now they try to take Padme out of the equation. Well, they also beat up a whole bunch of other ones. Padme is visiting with the swing votes. They're like, no, I'm voting with my constituents. And they all limp off and walk off with their arms and slings. Pretty, pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So as Padme is visiting the swing votes to ask for their support, Robinino and his henchmen, I cannot remember his name to save my life, they take out her speeder pilot, they get her at knife point, yes. they shoot the police droids who stopped them, mm -hmm. and then Action Padme kicks into gear. She performs GTA. She steals a bike from yes, a drunk yes, couple. Yes, yes, yes. And then leads them on a merry chase through, through the, Coruscant. As uh, the Cellcat is sitting there hanging onto the back by his wrist uh, grappling hook. Yeah, he's on a wire. She keeps bonking his head into different obstacles. It's fun. It's delightful. But the police get her on the Grand Theft Auto charge. Mm -hmm. And the henchmen get away. So she shows up to work the next day with a huge, you know, a black eye, a shiner, a big scratch across her face. But... Bale was the one who was supposed to speak, and he pulls up to his cool, because uh, you totally imagine Bale Organa having like a very well-equipped garage. Which he does. He they, The henchmen corner him in a parking garage. And they get into a shootout, and at the very last second, they shoot his car as he's escaping. He crashes into a pillar and apparently gets concussed and lung collapsed and bad news. And he's oh, yeah. not allowed to speak to the Senate today. He calls Padme and he's like, Padme, you're the only one who can do this. And she's like, they were expecting the great Bale Organa. Like, how am I going to follow this? It turns out Padme gets a stroke of inspiration from her handmaiden, Tekla. Mm -hmm. Tekla's like, Padme, you're not like the other politicians. You actually listen to people. Mm -hmm. And Padme's like, okay, tell me everything about your family. How is this war affecting them? Mm -hmm. She goes into the Senate. She's wearing her ceremonial headpiece. She floats out into the middle. They are broadcasting her all over Coruscant. Like 500 feet high in holograms. And she's on the uh, the street jumbotron. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I straight up sobbed. I It brought me to tears. It was I very cool. wept. There is this soaring instrumental in the background as Padme tells about how Tekla's family doesn't have electricity. They don't have running water. They can't go to school anymore. Here's what she says. I wrote it down because it was so good. This war is meant to save our people from suffering, not increase it. If we continue to impoverish our people, it's not on the battlefield where Dooku will defeat us. It's in our own homes. Mm -hmm. Standing ovation. Yep. 
even the people who are in support of the loan are like grudgingly clapping along. Mm -hmm. It is a clear victory for Padme. Yes. And we end on Palpatine. He is pissed. He's he's he says, isn't it amazing that a single senator, I can have all the power in the galaxy Mm -hmm. and a single senator can mess with my plan, sway the voice of millions. Mm -hmm. And now we have to play a new game. And Masameda, who's his blue, you know, double horned major domo says, what do we do? It's like we we keep keep playing. He says we let the wheels of democracy continue to turn. Yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely. I have so many thoughts. Where do you want to start? Well, um, I feel like for the listener, uh, so here's here's what my rabbit hole was for this episode. Mm-hmm. I looked up banking acts and the recession, the Great Recession. That is a that's a great rabbit hole. It is, and I spent a lot of time in there because, like, the causes of the Great Recession, um, you know, politicians and talking heads on TV says it's one thing, and then like actual scientists say it's not. So bad. let's back up even further. This episode aired in two thousand nine. Yes, which oh boy, so a little personal anecdote. I graduated college in 2009. Mm -hmm. I was taking an economic geology course. We had a very notable economic geologist who was teaching it. He took sabbatical to go to New York to help one of the largest banks in the world liquidate their metals. Wow. Mm -hmm. So like we like it hit me dead on. And then, of course, as someone who graduated college in 2009, my earning potential compared to people who graduated two years earlier or two years later is down by 20% over my lifetime. Yeah. People who graduated right around the recession and tried to enter the workforce have lower lifetime earnings. Mm-hmm. That is a proven fact. And so all of this stuff, particularly with the deregulation, you know, so Dodd-Frank, which was the bill put together in the U.S. to, to help fix the bank, the, you know, the banking crisis of the time, because we had a, the exact same problem. When we entered the Iraq war, which is basically what the Clone Wars is about, mm-hmm. we before that war, the U.S. was running a budget surplus. And then we took on trillions of dollars of unfunded liabilities and had to fund a massive war. And we deregulated a bunch of stuff. And it was a, it was the current president's father because Bush Sr. is the one who did a whole bunch of deregulation, which led to the savings loan crisis. So left as an exercise for the listener there. You can go into what deregulation means to you, but uh, it's a little bit of a pet cause of mine to follow these threads. Mm-hmm. And I found it incredibly interesting, particularly because it was like nothing at all for the banking clan, the trade federation and the techno union to be like, Hey, we can, you know, we'll call Dooku who will call general Grievous. We'll send an eight custom expendable droids cost a million dollars for the whole operation, million credits, and that'll earn us a trillion credits. Yeah. I want to say that this arc out of any Clone Wars arc railroaded me. I had to turn off both episodes multiple times and just process. This felt personal. This felt very pointed. It was very political. I loved it, but some aspects of this arc hit me like a freight train to the face. I paused right there when I saw that because I was reminded of something else. This is from the 1930s. There's something called the business plot involving a famous general, Smedley Butler, which sounds like a made up name, but he was a real dude. And according to him, he testified under oath in front of the um, Senate, I believe, in the 1930s. He said, a bunch of business leaders approached me to overthrow FDR because we want to go to war to make more money. 
And they figured that they would approach me and have me be the fascist dictator because mm. I'm mil- he's the um, he's the chief of the military at the time. Mm-hmm. And all the senators were like, we would have no part of that. This is obviously claptrap. Get out of here. Even though like they were all involved with it. So mm. it was a real sketchy time. That, yeah, I paused during that talk. And then the next scene when Anakin is a real jerk to Padme and Ahsoka. And then, Importantly, I think this is actually extremely notable. We see Anakin twice in this whole arc mm-hmm. at the beginning and the end of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Both times he's a jerk, but mm-hmm. he's talking to Padme and he is so incredibly patronizing to Padme and Ahsoka mm-hmm. at the beginning. And then at the end, he's like, you guys really messed up. I can't believe we went to Raxus. Like, you do illegal stuff all the time. And he's like, well, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't have. Anakin is not a shining star of this arc. Oh, Absolutely not. He's the worst. Yeah, this, I will say, I've often been surprised at how disengaged I feel with Star Wars politics as someone who studied political science, Mm -hmm. someone who's very interested in domestic and international politics today. I'm usually tuned out of Star Wars political machinations because Mm -hmm. they really don't resonate. But for a lot of reasons... The politics of this arc really grabbed me, and I think that this is the best that I've seen Star Wars diplomacy handled. Yes, there's there's a lot of cool stuff here. There's a ton. I want to talk a little bit about the origins of Heroes on Both Sides. So yeah. I watched a little interview with Dave Filoni. Oh, our fave, our fave. He's wearing a great cowboy hat too, which is just purely delightful. And he talks about how the title of the first episode in this arc, Heroes on Both Sides, comes from the episode crawl, the yellow text before Revenge of the Sith. Ooh, So they talk about the Clone Wars and they say there were heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. Because this is... And and this actually comes up in the conversations, the the, uh, sexy conversations between, flirtatious conversations between Lux and Ahsoka, because uh, she says, you don't look like a separatist. And he says, well, you don't look like a separatist. Which separatists have you seen? And Ahsoka's like, well, other than Asajj and Grievous, Grievous, I guess none, except for like battle leaders. I've killed like a bajillion droids. But I've never actually seen like a human general or someone who's behind it, you know? Yeah, there's really interesting stuff going on with Ahsoka and Lux. I do want to point out the Heroes on Both Sides Mm -hmm. title. What Dave Filoni says is that at the beginning of the Clone Wars, Dooku told a bunch of good senators from Mm -hmm. the Republic that there was an evil Sith Lord in charge of the Senate and therefore the Republic is corrupt. And that's exactly true. They left the Republic for the right reason. And now we're getting some humanization of the separatists. And if you don't realize that truth, that they left the Republic for purely good and right and understandable reasons, I think the whole humanizing the separatist thing could fall a little flat. Mm -hmm. But instead, we get a really interesting look into why they do what they do, why they are some of them good people. And also, I think it really hammers home why the Clone Wars are so futile, futile, absolutely futile, because the war is manufactured to Mm -hmm. sow discord for Palpatine. 
And then all of the opportunists that want to just latch on to it for war profiteering. The banking clan admits to profiting not only from the separatist loan for battle droids, Mm -hmm. and now they're trying to get Republic loans to grow more clones. It is just so blatant. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason that these episodes get to be in a children's show is because Padme's speech redeems it a little bit. But otherwise, the the feeling of hopelessness in this episodes was like almost too much. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. And um, man, so so something that we did as part of this episode, there's the next episode actually finishes the arc. Yeah, Senate Murders. Senate Murders. And obviously, just based off the title, that has a really negative connotation moving forward. So we're not done here yet. This is the deep politics of this yeah. season. It's, it's so incredibly dark. To speak to it, you know, how the separatists were so easily fooled, it's also... You know, first of all, they were told the truth. Exactly. They weren't fooled at all. And then they said in the parliament scene, there's a bunch of parliamentarians who are saying, unlike the corrupt corporate run Senate, we will, you know, vote with our conscience and vote for peace. Mm -hmm. And that's so crazy because they're also 100% correct. And it it calls to mind a few conversations you and I have had about about conspiracy theories. Hmm. Because... There are people who go way, way, way off the deep end with conspiracy theories, but I'm sure there's people who might call me out on that for things I've said on our podcast here, which is on Wikipedia. There's stuff where it's like the CIA admitted to this and that's your entry level. Hmm. And so it's, it's so easy to follow a charismatic leader like a Dooku or a Palpatine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually had a really interesting conversation with my dad the other day about that. We were talking about how anonymity to the sense of like leading and living your life as a anonymous person, which is to say you do not seek recognition Hmm. for your deeds is really important because when you follow someone, you subscribe to a cult of personality and then their opinions become your opinions. Hmm. And I counsel them against that. And that is exactly what's going on with, you know, Palpatine and Dooku. People are following them. And there's a conversation between uh, Padme, Padme and, and Mina mm-hmm, about that thing. What Padme says is, oh, I, she's saying something about Dooku. And she says, oh, I forgot you actually admire the man. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think I realized that Dooku is the leader of the separatist parliament. I mean, yeah. we see him proceeding over these legitimate, you know, this legitimate government in this Parliament that looks exactly like the British House of Commons. Mm-hmm. And so it's like green. It's yeah. green and it's got the wood fixtures probably and nicer. it's the same shape. It's probably yeah. nicer. Full aliens. And what they do in the House of Commons is the only way to get heard is to like speak up and you just yell. And whoever's the loudest gets heard. And so there's really interesting things like they vote by proclamation. They mm-hmm. have to yell I or they have to yell nay. Mm-hmm. And it seems very, very civilized. And I had never really thought about humans and people being part of this legitimate government. I just, when I thought separatist, I thought battle droid. And that's exactly the kind of bias that Ahsoka's fighting. Exactly. And that is the um, the audience stand-in yes. that she is so great at and that her relationship with Lux is so great at because... He has never seen a Jedi before. Okay, and first of all, Ahsoka and Anakin got a makeover. 
Yes, Ahsoka looks older. She has her uh, her montals. Montals are taller, mm-hmm. and she's got a backless better. tunic. She's got mm-hmm. a boob window, just like Asajj. The way that they've signified maturity for her is like she has boobs. Mm-hmm. She's a little taller. Uh, her hips have widened. And I think we've actually talked about Hartman hips on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually came from Tartakovsky, who created the 2003 Tartakovsky Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But kind of big boobs are too scandalous for an animated show. So when you're trying to portray a mature female character, you give her wide hips. And mm-hmm. so Ahsoka has filled out, yeah. right? And there's this long up and down look that Lux gives her. She's like, do I look all right for a Jedi? And he's like, yeah, yeah. you look great. Yeah. You look great. You're great. And she's, I mean, yeah, I have, I wrote down here, she fishes for a compliment. And then and then she's annoyed when she yeah, gets it. Yeah, it's like, ugh, boys are the same everywhere. So the the Dave Filoni interview that I listened to, he mm-hmm. said that he was really excited about Lux as a character. They put him into the episode to give Ahsoka a problem, to complicate her worldview. Mm-hmm. A boy who's her age, yeah. who's good looking and smart and thoughtful, not in any way connected to the Jedi Order, giving her a different perspective on her place in the war. Yes. Because at the end, when they part ways, he says, I hope we don't meet on battle, on the field of battle sometimes. And and she says, I hope so for your sake. Yes. Which is, like, she said it smirkingly, but also with the... She held his gaze. You could tell that she meant it. There was a softness Mm -hmm. there. Like, she definitely connected with him. But she was also like, because if we do, you're going to die. Yeah. Because I kill a lot of people. Yeah. I'm a child soldier. Yeah, absolutely. But also, I think that Ahsoka is at the center of this conflict more than a lot of Jedi. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Jocasta knew is not at the center of this conflict. Ahsoka's in battle. And now Ahsoka's getting this really interesting and almost unique perspective on the different sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how many Separatists do you think Anakin hangs out with? uh, None. Or Mace Windu or Yoda or Plo Koon? I mean, uh, Anakin hasn't even met General Grievous. They might become friends. Yeah, totally. Uh, That's terrible. You know, Mace Windu does later on say, or in episode two, Mace Windu does say in uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, Count Dooku wouldn't do that. He's an honorable man. He would Mm -hmm. resort to assassination. Mm -hmm. And it shows how difficult that is for the Jedi. And I wonder if some of the older Jedi who spent more time with Dooku Mm. have a problem as well. Yoda, Mace Windu. Probably not Kiandi Mundi because he's terrible. <laughs> Kiandi Mundi is a jerk bag, and that is our opinion. Thank yes. you. But the, yeah, having that relationship with someone and then seeing them change over time to be someone who now is your enemy in a way that perhaps only you understand mm. because all the politicians are sitting there, you know, being political and communicating with each other. And they, they see it from their point of view. The Jedi see it from their point of view. It's, it's, it's all different points of view.
What's funny is, as we were speaking, I'm reminded, uh, as we were speaking of the Senate following Palpatine and the Separatist Parliament following Dooku of a line that Obi-Wan Kenobi says in episode four, hmm. who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Mm. Oh, that's good. Yes, it's such a good Obi-Wanism. And also it is like, when you see this, because presume, I mean, Obi-Wan cannot be unaware of this event. He's got to have seen events like this cross his war desk all the time and just be like, wow. Hmm. The people who followed these corrupt leaders into this war, which devastated my entire life. Mm. Who's the more foolish, the fools or the fools who followed them? It's so tough. I wonder if this is where my main frustration about the Clone Wars comes from and about Padme in particular. Because mm-hmm. when I think about how the Clone Wars is manufactured and manipulated, yeah. how everybody is manipulated and everybody becomes a fool following somebody, mm-hmm. that's what makes me not love Padme. And I mean, I can explain. Mm-hmm. Mina Bonteri got one side of the truth, right? She got that the Republic is corrupt because it's being led by an evil Sith Lord. And so she disbanded and she belongs to the Separatists now. Mm-hmm. And that to me is totally admirable. Yeah. And Padme is sensing the same things. And yet she continues to try to make it right from within she knows that Palpatine is up to something. Yeah. And she knows that something's rotten in Denmark. And she's smart enough and open-minded enough to continue to be friends with separatists, right? Mm-hmm. And I get so frustrated with her. And it's not fair because it's so obvious to us that she's working for this really futile cause. Yeah. But she keeps doing it. Because we have perfect knowledge and it's so unfair, but it makes me really, really, really have a hard time with Padme, even as she's working harder than anybody else to do the right thing. I think it speaks to something a little bit deeper here. I've had a bit of a spell this year at a personal level where I've struggled with doing the right thing. Not that I have a hard time doing the right thing, but am I doing the right thing with enough vigor and force to Mm. you know actually solve problems like not being lukewarm yeah am i actually working at things and then there's you know the difference between working the system from within and being a revolutionary Hmm. and padme is working her darndest to work the system from within. oh man and at the end she does stymie palpatine for one day She does. I think she startles him and then she stymies him. And that's super exciting. I remember thinking in this arc that I was really glad that Anakin wasn't around partially because he's a ginormous jerk bag and here's on both sides. And also because he's an agent of Palpatine. Well, that too. Mm -hmm. That too. And then the third thing is just that, you know, Padme works late nights. Like, I don't want the additional pressure of her having to be a good wife and also being the senator that is working the hardest. I was like, Padme needs a dang break. Like, she needs to go home, kick her feet up. Someone needs to make her dinner. She needs to not have any emotional pressure on her at all. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we were talking about Dooku leading the war and leading the government and Palpatine running both sides of the war. Oh, yeah. I'm like, when do these dudes sleep? These are old dudes. I know. <laughs> when does Padme sleep? <laughs> well, she's like, what, 25? But 
Yeah. When when do they sleep? Nobody knows. Uh, Nobody knows. Apparently, you know, the work day on Coruscant is six hours. The day itself is 36 hours. So you can't actually fit in everything you need to do. Could be possible. Could be possible. Yeah. There was some fantastic art. And there was some Ooh. fantastic sound, particularly on Raxus. I loved the aesthetics of Raxus, which is the yeah. planet that Mina lives on. It was very golden. We get this aerial view. Everything mm-hmm. is like palatial and pastoral. Yeah. When we make it to Mina and Lux's house, mm-hmm. it is like a beautiful mansion. It is absolutely spectacular. And then Mina herself has such a cool look. Oh my God. She's tatted all the way up her arms, all the way from her like breastbone up to her neck. Mm-hmm. She's got a cool cropped haircut. Yeah. She's got a, uh, I would like to speak to the manager to tell them nice things haircut. Ooh. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. got like silver tips. She is voiced by the same woman who voiced uh, Mon Mothma, who actually speaks in. Oh yeah. The and you can tell because it's a kind of a, a high crust. Like upper crust British accent. Yeah. But she also voices Jack, who is uh, one of the kids. No. What? Wait, Jack is the clone cadet that we liked from the the Boba Fett arc. No, that was... uh, That was Jack's. That was Jack's. No, Jack is one of the babies of Sue and Cut Laquane. No way. What? That's amazing. Because her Mina Bonteri voice was this kind of like raspy elitist oh, british oh cool my gosh. it's uh it's it's real power mommy vibes oh <laughs> wow wow yeah it was it was a thing so there's and then she's assassinated and we never see her again lux is an orphan now a war orphan he's a war orphan and his dad that- was killed by a clone trooper mm-hmm. And his mom was ostensibly killed by the Republic. And think of how radicalizing that is for him. Oh, my God. Well, think because he had just formed these kind of new thoughts about, mm. hey, maybe the Republic's not so bad. Like, maybe the Jedi are to be trusted. And then, wham, out of nowhere, yeah. they kill both his parents. Yeah. And so... Could you possibly blame him for taking up arms against the Republic? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Not even a little bit. I had a feeling at the end of the arc, like there were enough lingering shots Mm -hmm. on him. I just, I had a feeling he was going to come back. And then we find out that he is a, an orphan. And I'm like, oh, he's definitely coming back and he's coming back with a vengeance. So another thing that I just didn't even deign to go back through my research list again of was black flag Mm. incidents such as this, where, you know, a a country, an entity will attack itself and blame it on someone else Mm -hmm. and how just how horrific it is. We went all into them in the first Mandalore arc, I believe. Yes. So listen to that one for the list that I put together in four seconds because there's so many. Man, I have said again and again that The Clone Wars is an anti-war TV show. And I think that is extremely evident in this arc. Mm -hmm. And I am just, I'm always so interested in what that writer's room must be like. Like back in 2009, when they were reeling from the Great Recession, just like the rest of us, Mm -hmm. and they were living in a war just like the rest of us, and they were like, you know what we should do? We should 
consolidate this down to 22 minutes and put it in a children's show. For real. I mean, like, kudos. Major props. This was a very complex story to tell in 22 minutes. Yeah, and I we, we talked actually earlier today about reaching out to the, uh, you know, female audience and how, you know, this podcast isn't like a, a feminist thing, but we are talking so much about women. And I think that something that calls to me out of that is how all of the Padme-centric episodes are about peace and all the Anakin mm. ones are about war and how that's an interesting dichotomy, which is, of course, you know, classic gender stereotypes, but also... Padme is such a more relatable character mm. because she is trying so hard and she's trying from within and you your heart goes out to her. Yeah. Whereas Anakin alienates you because you see in him the worst aspects of yourself. You know, I often think about the first Mandalore arc mm-hmm. when he assassinated What's his name? name? The jester looking guy from behind. He Mm -hmm. gave him the Grievous special. And I often think about how crazy that is. Oh, yeah. That a Jedi just kills people just wantonly. I mean, he had a purpose. It was to end the stalemate that Satine and Obi-Wan were in. Mm -hmm. He straight up murdered a guy. And then he had to fill out however much paperwork. He could have bonked him against the back of the head and knocked him out and not shed any blood. And he he went straight to killing. He could have force choked him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. He's good at that. He is very good at that. And Padme's instinct, her impulse is always to do good. And as powerful as Padme is, it's so tough to sometimes see how little she's able to accomplish mm-hmm. compared to what Anakin can accomplish with violence. And it goes to show in a democracy, which ostensibly both the Separatists and the Republic are, how you have to get up every single day. You have to fight every single battle mm. to maintain peace yeah. because the forces that wish to consolidate power and profit they don't take days off either. Yeah. There's a lot more of them. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. Since we're talking about gender, I do want to point out something really cool in this Mm -hmm. arc, which was the theme of sisterhood. Oh, yeah. I like that. Padme is acting as kind of an older sister to Ahsoka. Yes. And Mina was acting as sort of an older sister to Padme. Mm -hmm. And I think... It was a really nice relationship. It was a beautiful relationship. Mina was a mentor. Padme Mm -hmm. says that when she was coming up in the Senate and as a queen, Mina was the person that she looked to for greater understanding of how to do good. And now Ahsoka can look to Padme for the same thing. Which is what she says she learned as lessons at the end of the first episode. Yeah, Padme is totally crushed. It's been a total failure. And Ahsoka says, you know what? I understand a little better how complicated all of this is. Mm -hmm. And Padme just gives the tiniest of smiles. Yeah, which is a sour smile. You know, she's sad. Yeah. Um, another very interesting relationship in this episode is the one between Padme and Bail Organa. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk about that. Because they work together so closely and they're at each other's houses. They're on each other's decks. They're standing very closely. Bail is always in Padme's office. And there's v- no sexual chemistry. Yeah. And it is 
an amazing working relationship. They are friends. They are co-workers. They are confidants. They can trust each other. It is, it is such a wonderful relationship. It's really, really beautiful. And what I didn't understand before this episode was how well-respected Bale is. There were seedy-looking senators Mm -hmm. all over this arc who had, like, you know, no interest in doing the right thing. But if Bail Organa said something, it Mm -hmm. would change their mind. It would make them reconsider. Yeah, and that that level of respect is always, I mean, it has to be earned. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he earned it and then he has this just wonderful relationship because slight spoiler alert here but not much of one Padme's one of Padme's kids is raised by Bale and what a relationship that must be to be like this is the exact perfect person yeah out of all the people in my life because he is such a kind and loving and hardworking individual who has a great garage and is totally <laughs> able to like duke it out with Robinino. And oh, he does great. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? I'm out of my element. I am wearing my fancy clothes. I'm going to get in my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just think about the number of friends That you can really, really trust, not only to have your back, Mm -hmm. but to go out into the world and do amazing things in your stead. Especially of opposite gender. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a a tougher relationship to have, I think. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's actually, when you pointed out like that, kind of a radical thing. There is is a lot of radical thinking in this episode. There's a lot of subtext being broadcast loudly, and there's a lot of radical thought being broadcast quietly. Yes, that is so true. I always go on to IMDb to look up some of the quotes and Mm -hmm. to, you know, see things that I might have missed. And a lot of the commenters picked up on the anti-war themes and were very mad about it. Which I think is just a great thing to know, that this episode was very blatant and really stirred up feelings on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. We are fortunate here at the very end, with four hours remaining of 2021, Mm -hmm. to be uh, not involved in these major wars anymore because Mm. they were so polarizing and devastating for so long. And the vitriol that Padme received. You know, she was branded a traitor for communicating with the separatists. She would have been murdered. Yeah. And and that's the kind of thing that was absolutely impossible to do in context of the era. This in in its era, this was a radical thing to say. And in our era, it's a radical thing to say. Yeah. That There are, in fact, heroes on both sides. Mm, Yeah. Wow. Lots of feelings, lots of gratitude, lots of appreciation. Yeah. And like so much of the Clone Wars, so much of the Clone Wars TV series, this expands on the Star Wars universe Fills it out, gives you a hundred new planets with a hundred new weird Mm -hmm, aliens and a hundred new backstories. And puts real characterization in the characters, which makes them so much more meaningful. Because if you were to just watch the movies, 
in order, you would see Anakin go from, you know, a child to Darth Vader in yeah. about five hours. Yeah. And seeing what was going on with the people around him in his life is so important. The deeper we get into the Clone Wars, the more I can't believe that I even saw the prequel movies without them. Wow. What yeah. an endorsement. What an ind- what a ringing endorsement as we almost prepare to ring the New Year's yeah, bell. Well, I mean, there's nothing good on TV right now. <laughs> Just watch the Clone Just Wars. Watch the Clone Wars. And listen to our podcast and recommend it to our friends. And baby, tell me, who's your bae? Who's my bae? Are you asking Snuck me? up on you. Yeah, I got you. I saw your face. I snuck up on you. You thought I was ending the show, but it's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. 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 My bae yeah. is Pad Bay herself. Of course it is. Of course. No, no, no. You know what? This is somewhat of a subversive choice for me because it was going to be Bail Organa. Ooh. Which is an equally great choice. But Padme got two lines in this arc that floored me, Mm -hmm. like left me gasping for air like a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. Would you like to hear them? She deserves it. She deserves it all. First one, social services have already suffered because of this war. Healthcare, education, infrastructure. She said that, mm-hmm. and it was like being punched in the stomach. Yes. Because I'm a millennial, <laughs> and I am a child of the war era, yeah. and I would like healthcare, and I would like education, and I would like infrastructure. And we don't get those things no. because war. war. Profits. And war profiteering. Yeah. Yep. So she said that. And I was just like, oh, my God, the Clone Wars writers have a mainline into my brain. Isn't that funny? Because, you know, this came out when, gosh, so I'm an elder millennial. Yeah, I was 15. I just want to say when this episode came out. So I wasn't even in the realm of thinking about this yet. Mm-hmm. And I was in my, I guess, early 20s. You were probably 24? Yeah, yeah. 20s. I was, I was working. Yeah. And so I wasn't watching this. Yeah. I was finding bombs. I was digging, you know, I was, oh, I, in 2008, I was in college. But yeah. right, shortly thereafter, I was finding bombs. And yeah, it had already internalized in me. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and the... The sense of despair, which is sometimes insurmountable, is something mm-hmm. which you can only admire Padme for continually defeating. Yes. Her other line that totally just left me feeling crazy was, what is happening to democracy and why doesn't anyone seem to care? Mm, to Tecla. Yes. Yeah. That was the thought that I've had pretty much continuously from November 2016 onwards into 2019. Yeah. So it was just another moment of, wow, Padme really gets it. And also, like, the writers really got it. And, mm-hmm. you know, just this is very prescient storytelling for where we are in current times. Mm-hmm. But it is so admirable to me to see Padme continuing to do the next right thing. Yeah. And never seeming to get tired. Mm-hmm. And even in her moments of feeling like she's been beaten, 
she wakes up the next day and she goes back to fight. Yeah. She puts on her freaking ceremonial headdress thing, Mm -hmm. which side note, now we know how she gets her head, you know, her hair into those crazy updos, their wigs, which is very comforting to me, actually. (laughs) And she does it again. Mm -hmm. She goes and she persuades the swing voters. She makes the speeches. She just... She delivers. She just does the dang thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it other than that. I'm running out of words. (laughs) I hope you can understand why Padbay is Bay. It's because she is so naturally good. Yeah. And it would be cool to be like that. Yeah. Padbay is an inspiration to all of us. Yeah, for sure. Be like Padbay. Who's your Bay? Well... I was going to go with Padme. We've gone over all the reasons that she's great. As I spoke about it, I realized that Bail Organa needs a nod. Oh, in yes. Our watch list. Oh, yes. Um, not only for being an excellent orator, not only for being um, incredibly brave mm-hmm. and wise mm-hmm. and kind, mm. but also for embracing a brand of masculinity, which is not overbearing while still being powerful. Ooh. And um, I think that's just, it is aspirational to be. I think out of all the men in all of the Star Wars universe, the one to be like is Bail Organa. Wow. What an endorsement. It is because, you know, does he use a lightsaber? No. Does he drive a car? Yeah. Is it too expensive? Yes. Does he use a blaster? Hardly ever. He talks and he talks from the heart. And when he talks, he talks with such integrity and self-worth that people listen. They subscribe to what he's saying. Contrast with a cult of personality. Mm. He is not doing it for himself. Mm -hmm. He is doing it for truth. Mm. He is doing it for life. He is doing it for democracy. And that is much different than the way Dooku and Palpatine gain their power. And the fortune cookie of Pursuit of Peace is truth can strike down the specter of fear. Ooh, yeah. Truth is Bail Organa's weapon. And you know what's interesting? The fortune cookie for funding the war? Fear Fear is a great great motivator. motivator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, two opposite sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. I love hearing you say that about Bail Organa because the Star Wars universe is not lacking for male role models. <laughs> and to put Bail Organa at the top is such a great choice. There was a list, and this is from the early days of the internet in the 90s, but it was a list of like the most far out Star Wars theories. And one of them is that... Um, it takes place in a universe far, far away. It's played by humans, but it's actually an insect race. And there's no females because they're like the queens. Oh, the no. It's like, here's how that makes sense. And there's a lot of notes. That's a horrifying retcon. I hate it. Because there's there's no women. But in Heroes of Both Sides, there's no men. Women are the movers no. and shakers. Absolutely. The entire time. Bail Organa may be great, but at the end of the day, he gets taken out. In he fact, gets a concussion. He does. In fact, uh, women are so important, and this is an interesting shout-out. Ahsoka's sitting there on Padme's couch talking about how, oh, you and Anakin get along so well, you should be better friends. And Padme says, if only Senator Bonteri were here. Ahsoka says, who's he? Oh. And Padme says, he is a she. Oh, yeah. And she is a separatist senator. 
You know what I just realized? Of all of the Clone Wars arcs, and there have been many that women have played an integral part, this arc stands out because it could not have been possible without women. Yes. It was driven by women. It was made possible by women. Men only ever really stood in the way. Yes, except for Bale. Well, and Bale, you know, took a graceful exit and went on his little stretcher to the little hollow hospital and Mm -hmm. let Padme be the one to finish it and rise to the occasion. Yeah. And we got a Chuchi shout out. Chuchi shout out. That was great. Little cameo. I'm surprised you didn't make her pay. Well, I was very tempted. She didn't, you know. Have a line. She was standing up and then she sat down and that just didn't feel particularly meaningful to me. So next time, Chuchi. Uh, all right. Well, next week, we're going to finish this arc off with Senate Murders. Senate Murders, season is- two, episode 15. Mm-hmm. That's a single, single up. And then. And that marks a cool turning point in the Clone Wars when the chronology evens out a little bit. So we have been zigzagging and lollylagging and going all over the place. Other made up words. Exactly. And now we get to have a little bit of continuity. So join us next week. And uh, we've been really active on all of our social medias here on the Conveyx. And you can get our free patreon content we released one of our favorite patreons on bang mary kill antagonist edition send us in who you want us to play that game with or play it with us all you have to do to listen is to go to the growing up skywalker patreon you can also go to the growing up skywalker website or find us on all the social medias and all the podcasts and all the everywhere we're everywhere we're everywhere We are inevitable. Sorry, that's the wrong fandom. And we're on the list of the top podcasts of 2021. Yes, we've had an incredible honor. We were named one of the best Star Wars podcasts of 2021 by Fiction Horizon, which was deeply fabulous. And we also have to give a shout out to our friend Tracy for loaning us her Wi-Fi while we were out in the woods of Vandor. Socked in by blizzards and wampa attacks. Yes. Thanks, Thanks, Tracy. Tracy. And thank you all. See you next week. See you next year. Oh, jeez. Bye.